0: From San Francisco, California, with Ben Kaspik and Adam Petke, this is CoveCast Audio. Welcome back to CoveCast. It is Monday, July 17th, 2017. The Giants just lost two out of three at San Diego. Uh, coming out of the all-star break which the National League lost again and at least finally the game is not counting for home field advantage in the World Series but it was a nice break for some of the guys who have had to endure uh, a really tough first half schedule that the Giants had and so they had the all-star break coming out of the break the Giants win the first game hold on in a close game Sam Dyson walks the tightrope in the ninth inning, but holds on with the bases loaded and a one run lead and a full count with two outs. He's able to get that last out and secure a victory. And it looks like maybe, you know, some momentum for the Giants in the second half. I think that the chances of them making the playoffs, not many people are very optimistic about that, but maybe they could play better. But sure enough, they go on to lose the next two. And it's more of the same with Hector Sanchez coming up big for the Padres and burning his former team. And early in the year, Hector Sanchez hit a two-out, two-strike home run at AT&T Park that took victory away from the Giants. They, they were about to win the game, and I think the home run either tied the game or gave the Padres the lead. That game eventually, it went extra innings, and I think Will Myers hit a home run off George Contos, and the Giants lost. And then in the second game out of the All-Star break, Hector Sanchez hits a walk-off home run against, uh, what is his name, Steven Okert. And then yesterday with Jeff Samarge on the mound, Hector Sanchez hits a three-run homer in the first inning that basically puts the game away uh, because the Giants just have not shown an ability whatsoever to come back from deficits, especially in non-hitter-friendly parks. I think they, de- they did it a little bit. In Colorado and Atlanta in that one trip but other than that they have not been able to come back when they fall behind they haven't been able to hold on when they're ahead so finding ways to lose and 2017 is just not at all kind to the San Francisco Giants it's it's unbelievable really everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong and in terms of all the close plays have gone against the Giants all the Close replays have gone against the Giants. Fluky things like Hector Sanchez being, uh, you know, he has four home runs and like 14 plate appearances in his career against the Giants. And this is a guy who we saw for years and years as a Giant. And he was not very good. A lot of people actually defended him some for some reason. I remember I wrote an article several years ago saying that <clears throat> it was time for the Giants to part ways with Hector Sanchez because he clearly was not very good. And I remember some of the comments on that article were that you don't give up on a good hitting catcher. And my counter argument to that was that he's actually not a good hitting catcher. And you wouldn't know it watching him the last couple days as a padre against the Giants, but this is a guy who has never really hit well at all in his career. That was his first, the walk-off home run was his first hit batting right-handed, this season not just his first home run his first hit of the year batting right-handed in his career he has a 77 weighted runs created plus meaning he's been about 25 percent worse than league average he's been worth 0.3 wins above replacement in his career and that has everything to do with a little bit of defensive value and like negative offensive value this season He has five home runs and three of those are against the Giants in 50 plate appearances. He doesn't even play with the Padres. And when he's been playing, he's been burning the Giants. So that's just how it's gone this year. And that's baseball because this Giants team, I don't think next year they're going to be in first place, but they're a team that could be much, much better next year just by things going a little bit differently. It's not that this is a hundred loss team. I don't see it that it's a clear 100-loss team but they are like they're on pace for something like that and that's how they're playing this year and that's how they've played the last calendar year we talked last time about over the last 162 games since the last all-star break that they had 98 losses 64 and 98 so the season is over and it was it's been over for a while The Giants are 35 and 58, and they're 29 games back in the National League West. In the wild card, they are 17 and a half back behind the Rockies, who have been faltering a little bit, but they still hold a five and a half game lead over the Cubs for that second wild card spot. The second wild card spot, basically, if you're over 500, you're in the conversation. And if you're not, you're out of the mix. And right now, the Cubs being five and a half back, you know, the next closest team to the wild card spot, they're only 46 and 45. So, you know, and then after that, it's the Braves, Cardinals, Pirates, Mets, Marlins, Padres, Reds, Giants, Phillies. A lot of medium to below medium teams this year in the National League, whereas in the American League, you got a lot of teams hovering right around. Uh, the furthest team... Back in the wildcard race is only nine games back, whereas in the National League, there's one, two, three, four, five, six teams more than nine games back. So a lot closer uh, together, everyone in the American League than in the National League. Puts the Giants in a good spot to potentially have a really high draft pick next year. And that's about the only positive that's going to come out of it. Um, Of course, there is the trading deadline, and I do expect the Giants to be as active as possible because... In the past we've talked about like 2013 when the team wasn't playing well and they didn't trade anybody. That's because they still saw a core that was more than capable of playing better than it was and they wanted to bring back basically the same group next year and compete and they did. You know, they made a few moves but they basically brought back the same group and they won the World Series. So it's hard to give them a lot of uh to to criticize them too much for that for 2013 trading deadline, not doing anything because the plan basically worked out. You'll take a world series win the next year following a year when you were below 500. But this year it couldn't be more obvious that this group needs a pretty big shakeup. I don't think there's anyone out there who believe, (coughs) excuse me, who believes that this is just a fluke. I know that's basically what I was kind of just saying. Um, that this was just a fluke year and if you started over then they would do really well and contend i think that if you started <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> if you started it started it over this year and just hit the refresh button maybe they could play more like a 500 team instead of a team that's uh 23 games under 500 just past the halfway point <clears throat> but there's no question that they're just not even in the same league as the Dodgers who are in great shape. As we pointed out in the last couple episodes with uh Seager being only 23 Bellinger being only 21, Jock Peterson's in his early twenties as well. Their core is like not even close to peaking yet. And they have Kershaw and I know Kershaw has that option and that's going to be a big deal if he returns or not. If he leaves the Dodgers, then obviously they, they take a major hit there. But that remains to be seen, and he's a Dodger next year. So next year the Dodgers are going to be the favorites again. The Diamondbacks and the Rockies are only getting better, as we've seen this year. They've taken the step from perennial basement dwellers to contenders. They're very likely to make the playoffs. Each of them. The Diamondbacks Fangraphs has them at eighty, uh, excuse me, seventy-eight percent odds to make the playoffs. <clears throat> And the Rockies at fifty six percent odds to make the playoffs, and the only teams you know the Brewers and Cubs fighting it out in the central, whoever doesn't end up winning the division is going to contend for that wild card spot most likely, although the Brewers fan graph still thinks, and I understand why that the Cubs will win the division and that the Brewers will will fall back in which case maybe they won't contend for the wild card but they've they've contended so far so it's not easy to just count them out and they're in first place so maybe it'll be the cubs contending for that wild card and then after that it's not really clear i mean you have the Braves it's you know the the Cardinals is, are a possibility as a team that could claw back into the race but after that the Pirates the Mets the Marlins Padres Reds Giants Phillies looks pretty likely that the Diamondbacks and the Rockies might just sneak into the wild card game Which good for them. I mean, they spent years and years and years in the bottom. I know the Diamondbacks won the division like four years ago. Went to the they were in Game Five of the NLDS and lost to the Brewers. And of course, the Rockies went to the World Series about ten years ago. Uh, So, a lot of people recently were saying about the Rockies that they're never going to contend in their ballpark. But give them credit, they are doing it this year. And they are pitching well, and actually their offense has been their biggest weakness. And we're going to get into that when we compare the Giants offense to the rest of the league, and we're going to see that the Rockies are actually right there down at the bottom with the Giants, which is very surprising, actually, but it's true. So that was basically a really long introduction <clears throat> to this to this episode. And before I go further, I just want to remind everyone, give us a follow on Twitter, at Cove underscore cast, where you'll get Uh, live commentary as games are going on. Uh, opinionated yet data-driven San Francisco Giants baseball analysis is kind of the tagline, and that's what the Twitter offers. It's basically the Covecast in 140 characters or less as it happens. And we're also on Facebook, Covecast One Word. And if you like us there, you'll get all content that we put out, which sometimes includes videos and, you know. The possibility remains of doing this podcast with video and possibly doing it uh, in in some creative ways that we haven't discussed yet, but that is not yet a reality. Let's see. Also, your weekly reminder that we are no longer going to be on SoundCloud. It's going to keep coming until uh, the monthly subscription comes to an end, which is in about 10 days on the 26th of July. And after that, it's going to be it's going to be all over the place. It's going to be on Google Play, Stitcher, um, iTunes. So subscribe wherever you subscribe. And if you don't know how to do that, then just, uh, they'll continue to go up on Reddit. And I appreciate everyone who listens on Reddit and comments there and upvotes it there. That is a big source of our listens. So thank you very much for that. And of course, the most surefire way to get this podcast is to go to www.covecast.net and you can expect new episodes after every series the day following the last game of the series sometime in the afternoon, the early afternoon, like 1, 2, 2.30. These will be published. Uh, the goal is after every single series. So the Giants just played a series against the Padres. It's becoming less and less important to talk about the games, which last year we actually got to get into the games because they mattered but at this point the games are pretty much the least important element it's more about noticing trends with certain players and you know looking ahead to the future and does this certain player have a spot next year long term whatever it may be and so for the rest of july it's going to be all about trades we've already seen a few big trades in major league baseball Jose Quintana was traded to the Cubs for the Cubs' number one prospect, Eloy Jimenez and others, and he dealt yesterday in his debut. That's a big deal trade. Uh, There are a lot of rumors surrounding the Giants. There was a rumor about Giancarlo Stanton, but Hank Shulman of the San Francisco Chronicle said on Twitter today that a person uh, close to the organization, like in the organization, a person familiar with the with the team's workings basically said that there's nothing to those rumors. So I take that seriously. I also take it with a grain of salt. You never quite know exactly what's going on. But as soon as I saw those rumors, of course, it's really exciting. But the second thing I thought was the Giants don't have what it takes to get Giancarlo Stanton from the Marlins. And there were rumors earlier this season that the Marlins were willing to trade one of their core outfielders, and they have a great outfield of Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, and Giancarlo Stanton. And I saw somewhere somebody commented on something. Would the Giants be willing or would the Giants be interested in acquiring one of the outfielders from Miami? Uh, Seems like it would be a good fit or something like that. And basically the point that the commenter was making was that the Giants should want to do that and it wasn't about what it would cost. They basically were saying, it's, it would be, the Marlins are like giving those players away and the Giants should try to get them because that would be a good idea. I'm not really explaining it well, but the commenter clearly didn't understand that <clears throat> the Giants, I'm not sure they even, literally even have what it would take to get any one of those three guys from the Marlins. Not a matter. It's not a matter of, would they be willing to give up what it would take? I'm not sure they actually have what it would take to even get them. And I'm talking like multiple players. The only way I could see it is if the Giants pretty much offered Posey and a package of young guys, like whoever they like, like Shaw and Beattie and Arroyo and Posey, like for Stanton. Like I just, and the fact that Posey is himself over 30 doesn't make that doesn't make any sense really for the marlins they give up a superstar and get a superstar and that's why you have to also include the young players so i really don't see a fit there i think what the giants really actually need to do is trade their own star to get some some youth and some some top prospects and by their own star i mean you know, we talked about it last week and I'm not saying belt is necessarily a star, but their own quality player. I think belt to the Yankees still makes a ton of sense. And you could, you know, like I said last week, I would be asking for Glaber Torres, their number one prospect, the guy, uh, the Yankees got from the Cubs for a Chapman, because if I'm selling belt, I'm telling the Yankees, you're going to get great production in that ballpark for, from him offensively. He's a very good defender. You have him, for four years after this year, for a reasonable contract, and it solves their first base issue. And they're totally in contention. The Yankees have about 50% playoff odds right now, according to Fangraphs. They've fallen dramatically. I think they lost like 17 of 24 going into the break. Uh, and so they, they were in first for much of the first half, but they've really fallen as of late. And the Red Sox have taken over the lead in the division and they have a three-game lead now, and the Yankees are just five games over 500. So, oh, I'm looking at... No, the Yankees are only four games. They're actually in third place now behind the Rays, who are also interested in a giant, apparently. Uh, MLB trade rumors uh, said in a piece, was it yesterday or two days ago, that the Rays were interested in Hunter Strickland, which makes a lot of sense for all you people who hate or think Strickland's no good. He actually is pretty good, especially against right-handed pitching, and he's not necessarily a platoon pitcher, but he's pretty dominant against righties and adequate against lefties. And a savvy team like the Rays likes a guy like Strickland who's under team control for several more years, and it'd be interesting to see who the Giants could get back. So um, I saw on Twitter some fans commenting on a story by Grant Brisby that the Giants should uh, trade, you know, if they were to trade Strickland to the Rays, that they should get Matt Duffy back. And quite honestly, the Rays might do that because Duffy's been hurt the entire time, basically, since they acquired him. He played a little bit last year, but he hasn't played at all this year. I think he had recently had a surgery, so he's not probably going to be back this year at all. And I'm just looking him up real quick, Matt Duffy He is expected to resume baseball activities on July 21st. I think what I had read recently was that he was transferred to the 60-day DL, but that's retroactive, so it's kind of just a formality to add someone else to their 40-man roster or 25. 40-man, because someone on the 60-day DL uh, means you can basically remove him temporarily from the 40-man roster. So, Matt Duffy, even though he didn't really hit well last year, he still was, and he only played 91 games, he still put up 1.2 wins above replacement, according to Fangraphs, because of his tremendous defensive value. So it's possible the Giants could just, you know, I think the Rays might do that. Hunter Strickland for Matt Duffy straight up, something like that, because Strickland has some value, believe it or not. And Matt Duffy's hurt, but I think the fans and the organization probably feel like they miss Matt Duffy and they would like to have him back in the plans long term. And if he comes back healthy, he can be the third baseman, you know, long term. He's only 26. He, you know, he's, you know, he, he debuted in 2015, making the league minimum. He made the league minimum in 2016. Uh, maybe that's his 2017 salary. Anyway, he's pre arbitration. So he's cheap, controllable for several several years i don't know if the Rays would do that but i mean he's hurt man and it's possible that 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 could happen i just don't think that's totally impossible so a lot remains to be seen with what exactly happens at the trading deadline and we're going to find out within a matter of about two weeks it's a very exciting time last year it was all kinds of dramatic with the giants being super active at the last minute The Matt Duffy trade basically broke the minute in the, like, literally minutes before the trade, before the deadline passed. Last year, it was on August 1st, I believe. It's usually on July 31st. I'm just assuming it's on July 31st this year, but there's no question the Giants are sellers. They absolutely have to be. They're not buyers. And... You know it's unfortunate that their biggest and best trade ship Johnny Cueto is not having a typical Johnny Cueto season at all. He's having a bad season, and he is he was he's placed on the disabled list, right? Am I? Johnny Cueto manager Bruce Bochy announced Saturday that the hope is Cueto will only miss two turns in the rotation while on the disabled list, so that hopefully gives him maybe like one start before the deadline to prove that he's healthy. But they're not going to be able to get much for him. But I still think they should trade him. I made the point last episode that if you hold on to him, you run the risk that he opts into the contract at age, you know, he'll be 32 before next year. And then he has four years after that. So 32, 33, 34, 35. And he could be better but it's also a big risk because he hasn't been great this year. And if you can trade him now, somebody would be willing to give up something or maybe just take on that contract. And I think it might be worth it to the giants just to shed themselves of that risk and that obligation, because if he opts out, he he's going to opt out. And I don't think they would want to re-sign him after what they've seen this year. And, I just think that they they could probably do something better in terms of a long-term option than a guy 32-plus years old for four years uh, in their rotation. And the rest of this rotation is interesting too. And I mean, Matt Moore has been a total disappointment this year. He was pretty good at the end of last year, but this year it has not happened at all for him. And Jeff Samarja is an interesting guy who has apparently drawn some trade interest from other teams as well like the Astros and Samarge is interesting because basically the peripherals suggest that he has become a different type of player and that he could be really good if he if only his home run rate would normalize but it hasn't normalized and yesterday was a perfect example he gave up at least two home runs I think it was just two but he has you know, the strikeout rate is like a career best. He's striking out 26% of batters. He's never in his career been, Uh, well, let me just tell you, his career average is 21.8%. So he's up about 5% in his uh, five percentage points in his strikeout rate. And his walk rate is by far a career low. Um, For his career, it's 7.1% walks. And this year it's just 2.7%. He's been phenomenal at limiting walks. But the big issue he's had is he's given up a lot of homers. He's allowed 20 homers already. And last year, he had kind of a home run problem, and he allowed just 24 all season. And this year, he's allowed 20 already, good for 1.45 home runs per nine innings. So basically, every time he goes out there, he's giving up at least home run, uh, one home run and often more. But, you know, home run rate is something that's supposed to stabilize over time, potentially, and if you normalize that, and by stabilize, I meant normalize, like regress to the league average approximately, because it seems to be uh, it fluctuates year to year, and it doesn't seem to necessarily be totally in a pitcher's control if, if you know, home runs are going to be hit. And this year, you have to take into consideration the fact that home runs are being hit at like a historic rate, and it's, it's burned a lot of the giants. It's burning Samarja, it's burned queto it's burning more. The only starting pitcher it hasn't burned really is Ty Block and Madison Bumgarner when he's been out there. And by the way, of course, he returned and looks healthy, so that's great news for the Giants moving forward. He's a huge piece um, to this puzzle, not this year, because this year's over, but the next couple of years, they still have him uh, under control through 2019, and I would be surprised if they didn't try to lock him up to an extension at some point. And so for Jeff Samarja, the ERA is 4.86, which is actually closer to league average than you might expect because league average has gotten worse over the last couple of years with this dramatic increase in home runs, basically. But the fielding independent pitching, which just looks at strikeouts, walks, and home runs, has them at 3.52, which is good. And then the XFIP, which normalizes the home run, Rate has him at 3.08, which is phenomenal, and therefore the wins above replacement is 2.3, which puts him. Uh, f- um, I'm looking at hitters, but it puts him first on the Giants by a long shot. tie Block is next at 1.1, so Marge at 2.3, twice as valuable. Basically, he's pitched a lot more innings, and that helps. Ty Block has 92 innings, and he has been more valuable than Johnny Cueto, who's pitched 115. Uh, Who else? Matt Kane as a starter, 0.0. So he's been replacement level, according to Fangraphs. And who else? I don't even... Matt Moore, 0.4. So basically, they've been super mediocre as a rotation, and Samarj is the only guy who has been quote-unquote good by the peripherals, but by era he's got like the highest on the team so even your best player it's like hidden and he's actually your best starting pitcher and he's not it's not actually translating at all so that's that's troublesome and that explains why this has been such a dreadful year at least partially Uh, i take it back matt moore's 6.04 era and matt kane's 5.56 era are worse gosh that is not good The Giants overall, as a staff, including the bullpen, have an ERA of four seven one, and a FIP of four one nine, xFIP four four eight, which is about average, four and a half. Which is, you know, we're we're used to seeing things in the low threes, mid threes from the Giants pitching staff, and that's gone up a whole run basically, in the span of a year or two. Dodgers are best in baseball, ERA three one two. FIP three, three, nine xFIP three, six, six. And so for all the people who said the Dodgers didn't have a good rotation or whatever they were saying, I know not to throw him under the bus when he's not here, but Adam didn't see it from the, from the Dodgers pitching staff. He just thought that that was their weakness. And I was saying, I don't necessarily agree with that. And they, they're basically running out there with a seven man rotation and using the disabled list creatively to mix in all seven guys and give people proper rest. Or extra rest, I should say. I don't know what's proper or not, but it has definitely come together for the Dodgers this year, and they've won nine games in a row. And FanGraphs has them projected to win 107 games this year. They're already 64 and 29. They have a 10 and a half game lead. Just it seems like just yesterday they were trailing the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, but now they have a 10 and a half game lead. And they're projected to win 107 games. Meanwhile, the Giants, you know, the Dodgers currently have 64 wins. The Giants already have 58 losses. And no, this is what I wanted to say. The Giants are projected to win 69 games and the Dodgers have already won 64. (laughs) So the Dodgers will win five more games here shortly, no doubt. And that'll put them at the Giants' expected win total for the entire rest of the season combined with what they've already won. So the discrepancy in talent level right now is night and day. And the Giants were per- perpetually, perpetually competing for the wild card anyway, hoping that everything would break right and they would challenge the Dodgers in the West. But it hasn't happened year after year after year. And this year we've seen an even bigger step taken, the Dodgers forward the Giants backward and so even if they return to contention like next year and the year after that there's a really good chance the Giants will only be competing for a wild card spot against this juggernaut Dodgers team and an up and coming Diamondbacks and Rockies team so you play all season long just in the hopes of making a wild card game in which anything can happen and you can't as much as people like to just assume it's automatic with Bumgarner, you can't just assume that they're going to win that game every time they have so far. in the two times they've been there since that game became a thing just a few years ago. But if that's what you're playing for year in and year out, then I think that's a recipe for disappointment after you play a six-month season every day and you go into your one-game playoff and lose, that's disappointing. And if it happens a couple times, we've seen teams, you know, it's not even worth it to them. They need to rebuild to, to contend for the division, basically. And so the Giants really need a philosophical shift in the way they operate and they need to become more... Saber metric basically, they need to be more savvy with how they manage within the game and the players that they have on the field, and the players that they draft, and the players that they have in their development system. Because as it is now, they're even at their best when they were winning titles, they were not really, except for 2010, you know, and 2012. No, in 2012, yeah, they won the division in 2012 and in 2010. No, 2014, yes, yes, yes. It was the second wild card game that they won was last year. And they did not win the World Series, of course. So two of the three years they actually did win the division, which is surprising because the Dodgers, ever since the Giants won in 2012, the Dodgers have won the division every year since then. So basically, the recent Giants have not been contenders for the division. And I don't see it happening honestly in the next three to five years unless maybe more like four or five and in case they really change their philosophy and get younger and get more like the Cubs and like the Dodgers and like the Astros and I know those teams you know the Cubs aren't doing great this year but there's a reason that their playoff odds are still 83% even though they're four and a half games out because the talent is there they just haven't performed to it the Giants there's a reason their playoff odds are zero, zero, Probably zero to more than one decimal place at this point. They're projected now to finally be under 500 the rest of the way. It often, the projections had them playing over 500 the rest of the way, but there's enough evidence now that the projections believe they are not a 500 team, 497, very close, but 69 and 93 is what it's seeing and that's generous. That's playing almost 500 baseball the rest of the way. And they've been at 376 so far through almost, no, through 93 games. So very bleak. And that is why they need to be exploring all avenues and trading whomever they can to try to get better in the future, get younger and get better. They, I do not see a lot of promise from this team and at best, if they can really turn things around in the next couple of years, I think they're just they're competing for a wild card spot, <clears throat> unless something goes horribly wrong with the Dodgers. So I think you look into trading Strickland. I think you try to trade Cueto for whatever you can get. I still think that Belt is probably one of their best trade chips at this point. There are some real contenders with real problems at first base, and I can see. Uh, a team like the Yankees or even the uh, Mariners or the Angels, who are still hovering around that fifteen percent playoff odds, making an aggressive move to go out and get Belt, whereas the Astros, you know, they're sixteen and a half games up in the division. They their playoff odds, their division odds are a hundred percent according to Fangraph. So it's not entirely clear to me that the a team basically guaranteed. A division series appearance is going to give up a lot to get to upgrade at first base because they have, like, I don't even want to call him adequate, but Yuli Guriel is, he's not a very good, he, some of the numbers, he's, his batting average is okay, his power numbers are okay, but uh, his defense is not very good. He provides very little alternate value other than some with the bat. And so he's not, uh, he's also 33. So I think that uh, the the Astros would like to upgrade there, but I don't think they're necessarily going to mortgage their future uh, just to get slightly better in a division series. Whereas a team like the Yankees have real, there's a real threat to their playoff odds uh, in large part because they basically are running out below average players at first base every day and so they're not guaranteed a playoff spot so to me that's the clear fit and I wouldn't be surprised at all in fact I'm thinking it's somewhat likely that the Yankees will acquire Brandon Belt at some point in the next two weeks however if they go out and acquire some other first baseman then the Giants might be out of luck and there might not be a a suitor who's interested in Belt and When the competition goes away, then all of a sudden the asking price goes down. So I think the Giants should be aggressive sooner rather than later while there are still teams on the bubble here. Dave Cameron of Fangraphs wrote a piece, I think it came out today, about the teams that are buying and selling, and there's still a lot of uncertainty with only two weeks left. So Eduardo Nunez is another guy. Joe Panic is another guy to consider. Brandon Crawford is not really because he's not having a great year, not at all. He's not having a, a, even a decent year. His offense has been terrible so far in 2017. Hunter Pence, same thing. Denard Span has been okay. He's been better than last year, but not sure. There's a, there's a lot of teams needing a Denard Span. He's certainly no super impact type outfielder if you're desperate and if you maybe want a bench guy like a fourth outfielder then he's a possibility but you're not going to get a lot for him maybe Nunez not a lot but something you basically just have to look into trading everyone and MLB.com's John Paul Marossi, uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago said that he has heard that Bobby Evans has three true untouchables right now and that's Posey, Crawford, and Bumgarner, and everyone else is available, which leads you to believe Belt and Panic are probably the most valuable to contenders right now because they have control, meaning they are signed for several more years. And, I mean, Panic is not signed. He's just pre-arbitration. I think this year might be his first year of arbitration eligibility, or else it was last year. I can't remember. But And then Belt, of course, is signed for the next four years after this year. So the fact that Belt is going to be 30 before next season, Panic is 26 now, so he'll be 27 next year. Those are your young guys. Those are your young position players, and they're not that young. Like I was just saying, Corey Seager is 23. Cody Bellinger is 21. These are the stars of the Dodgers, and they are not even close to their prime years yet. So the Giants have a lot of work to do. They really, really desperately... Could should be doing basically <clears throat> excuse me basically what the White Sox have done the last uh, six months or so when they traded Chris Sale they traded Jose Quintana they traded Adam Eaton and they they got um, what is his name Johan Moncada from the Red Sox the best prospect in all of baseball the top prospect let's just say that they got Eloy Jimenez the Cubs top prospect they got Lucas Giolito the Nationals best prospect. They got some other guys from the Nationals. They turned their farm system around from one of the worst to like arguably the very best. It probably is now ranked the very best in baseball because Eloy Jimenez was top 10 prospect in his own right, I believe. He was definitely top 25, top 50. And they've turned their farm system around and their future outlook has gone up tremendously. But they had to trade Chris Sale and they had to trade... Jose Quintana. And so for the Giants, that's like trading Bumgarner. So I don't know if they do that. I don't know if they're ready to do that. Maybe another year of being bad next year makes Bumgarner available. It doesn't seem like he's available now, but the guys that they have, they really, really ought to be doing their very most to try to trade them. And the indications that I saw on Twitter yesterday was that the Giants have been super active and ahead of schedule in, uh scouring the trade market basically and so it's only July 17th we still have a couple of weeks but the giants acquired eduardo nuñez well ahead of the deadline and so it's not impossible that whether it's today or tomorrow this week before the deadline it's not impossible that we'll see something go down but at the very least push will come to shove at the deadline on that day that's always when a lot the most moves of any day take place on the very last day because there's no more time to walk away from an offer. You basically, it's now or never. You have to pull the trigger or else you're not getting the player. And so that that force basically forces teams to actually pull the trigger on stuff. And so have some patience. It's not easy. You would like to see what they're going to do and see it as soon as possible, but Uh, It might not be until the very end, and this is a big moment for Bobby Evans because basically since he's overseen this team, they've kind of collapsed. I mean, they had a good first half in 2016, not exactly remembering when he took over, but this is the roster that he's responsible for at this point, and it's a bad one right now, and it's one that needs an overhaul, and now is the time to start that in a major way. And if, if the trade deadline comes and goes and all they do is maybe trade Eduardo Nunez for a C-level prospect, if that's all they do, that's a major disappointment and they're in bad shape for next year. And then you start talking about off-season trades, but always you're going to get more now than later because there's not a team in baseball that is going to give you more for less control than they're going to give you for more control. Now is the time to do it. Uh, You know, Cueto, it's an interesting situation whether he opts in or out. But if they don't trade him, that's a big risk for the Giants that they're taking on. And you can't tell me that there's not a team, if he comes back healthy before the deadline and makes a decent start and looks to be healthy, there's somebody out there who's willing to take on the risk, whether you have to give him away or not, uh, to have Johnny Cueto for the stretch run and hope you get an ace. Hope you get a really good starter. There's got to be somebody out there. So we will see. As always, it is fun to speculate about, but it'll be even more fun if news breaks about one of these trades coming to fruition. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what the Giants do in the next two weeks. The Just to look ahead to the schedule, they have a, they have a very favorable schedule in terms of home and road in the next month or so, where they have, right now they're about to start a 10-game homestand followed by an off day. They have three against the Indians. Indians are very good. I'm excited to see Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Lonnie (laughs) Chisenhall. Not necessarily excited to see him, but he's having a nice breakout year. Michael Brantley. Some of these really, really solid cleveland indians core players and then the padres come to town for four and then we get the pirates for three there's an off day and then they go to la and then they come back home to play the a's on the road so then they after that uh each of those is three games no sorry the a's is two games at oakland and then two at san francisco so it's a four game home and home and then they get three against the diamondbacks at home and then three against the cubs at home followed by another off day And then the favorability ends temporarily. They head to Washington, D.C., and then to Miami, and then they come home and get four against the Phillies, three against the Brewers, off day, at Diamondbacks, at Padres, then home against the Cardinals for four, and then they go to Colorado, off day, go to White Sox. Home against the Dodgers, off day. Home against the Diamondbacks, off day. Home against the Rockies, off day. At L.A., at Arizona, off day home against the Padres. And that's the season, mercifully. So it's not so bad the rest of the way. The schedule was really, really brutal in the first half, and it contributed to the disastrous season that is the 2017 San Francisco Giants. But it's not the only reason. They're just not a very good team. They're getting older. They've had regression. Players have not lived up to expectations. It's been, everything has gone wrong, basically. And just to run through the stats really quick, the... Uh, comparing the Giants to the rest of the league, non-pitcher weighted runs created plus Giants 86, 14% worse than league average offensively. The Rockies also at 86. The Rockies offense, when you adjust for the park, has been equally as bad as the Giants offense, which is hard to believe for a team that's doing so well. They've really been carried by their pitching. The Royals and Padres are at 85, which is basically a virtual tie and the Phillies are at 87. So the giants, very bottom echelon in all baseball in terms of park adjusted offense. When you look at weighted on base average, which is non park adjusted, how has their offense actually legitimately been pound for pound at bat for at bat compared to the rest of the league. The Astros as a team taking pitchers out of the equation, but they don't bat much in the American league anyway, except when they play interleague. 362 as a team league average is like is set to the league average on base percentage which is like 330 ish and they're at 362 as a team do the Giants even have a player let me just tell you Brandon Belt is at 351 and he's been the second best Giants hitter Buster Posey's at 389 so basically you kind of combine Posey and Belt and average them out and that's how the Astros have been offensively as a team this year the Nationals, 357 second. The Dodgers at three fifty third, Brewers, 339 fourth. The Giants are all the way at 28th at 300, and they're tied with two other teams for 300. So at bat for at bat, non, not adjusting for the ballpark, the Giants have been equally as bad as the two other worst teams in baseball, the Angels and Padres. Offensively this year, In terms of wins above replacement, which is going to factor in base running and defense, Astros are again first at 21.4. This is all Fangraph's calculations. The Giants are 27th at 5.2, which is ahead of the Phillies, the Blue Jays, surprisingly, and the Padres. And they're just ahead, or excuse me, just worse than the A's and Rockies. So surprising news about the Rockies, and that's maybe they're looking for a bat. Maybe they could use a Brandon Belt or an Eduardo Nunez or whoever. In terms of pitching, and we're not going to take out pitchers, duh. For this one, uh, the Giants are, like I said earlier, middle of the pack, uh, 17 out of 30 in terms of war. And then the ERA is high. Everything is high. Let's look at the starters specifically. Middle of the pack, 18 out of 30. ERA is 501, XFIP 446. Just nothing really intriguing across the board. It's all mediocre. Maybe the walk rate is kind of low, but the strikeout rate is also low, and the home run rate is not very good considering their expansive home ballpark. Dodgers have the best home runs per nine. Uh, among their starters is the only team in baseball under one home run per nine innings. The Giants are literally 15th in that category, 1.3, so that's about average. But if you play in their ballpark, that's too many. And they're not hitting home runs at all, but they're giving them up at an average rate. The Giants, as a team, offensively have the fewest home runs in baseball, and it's not even close. This is probably something I should should be talking more about. They only have 74 home runs. The next closest team has 89. So 89 is a poor number, but the Giants have beat that by 15. They have 15 fewer home runs than the next closest team. The team that's 15th has 109. So average is about 109. The Giants have 74. And as a staff, they're allowing an average amount of home runs per nine innings. So you basically, you're giving up, Home runs, and you're not hitting them. That is a recipe for disaster. And they desperately need some power. Couldn't be more obvious. <clears throat> so what about the bullpen? The Giants bullpen, in terms of war, is 18th out of 30, so a little worse than middle of the pack. Uh, the strikeout rate is bad. Bad. It's 23rd out of 30. The walk rate looks really high. It is ninth worst. So that means it's uh, 22nd best. 22nd out of 30 at 3.78 walks per 9 innings. Walk percentage is better but we're just running through this quickly. Uh, The home runs per 9. Giants bullpen best in baseball at preventing home runs so far this year at 0.79 home runs per 9 innings. So that Give them credit for that. The bullpen has done well at limiting home runs. The Yankees, wow, third best, even though they play in that bandbox. Their bullpen war is four and a half. The Giants is 1.5. Giants ground ball rate from the bullpen is 44%, which is 12th best. But the team that's the lowest is the Dodgers, and they have the best war era all that stuff giants bullpen era is 15 out of 30 in baseball at 413 i should be just comparing pitching stats among national league teams i'm realizing that now but it gives you a general sense the pitching is just middle of the pack and the offense has been very worst in baseball among the very worst in baseball so there you have it that has been the uh, I'm reading some rumors sources. A's recently had top scout watching Yankees, blah, blah, blah. Sonny Gray. Okay. I was just seeing if these Yankees mentions had anything to do with the Giants and and with belt, but no, but I will be on Twitter. If something breaks, regardless of if it's before or after a series, I'm going to come on and talk about it. Uh, If some kind of Giants major trade happens, I mean. But until then, the Giants play these games against the Indians. And what I would recommend if you're looking for a recommendation for how to watch these games against the Indians, the way to do it would be to enjoy the exceptional young core of the Indians, especially Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. Watch them. And if we get to see Kluber, which I do believe we do, probably the last game, I think, definitely not game one, then just get to enjoy a team that you don't normally get to watch the team that represented the al in the world series last year and could very well be there again this year so that's something to watch the giants trade rumor is something to watch thank you all for listening this time it's been a lot of fun and we will be back after the indian series if not sooner if something happens in terms of a trade and until then we will see you next time